cool. Hello and welcome to another episode of Screen on the Spot. We uh, we are Chrisless again today, but um, we have a very special <laughs> guest with us. He's a he's an editor. He's a writer. He's a director. He's a producer. He's all the things. And his newest feature, I Am Lisa, is on Peacock right now, streaming for free. I assume it's on their free plan. Um, yep. Please welcome Patrick Ray. Hello. Hey, Patrick. Woo-hoo. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming thanks for on. Thanks for joining us. We so, should have really done this sooner because uh, <laughs> the movie has been in our, you know, in our, what am I trying to say? In our collective you know, wheelhouse. Conscious. Or coll- conscious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there we go. For Since it's come out. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked about having you on and uh, we know you do great work. So it, 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 this is a long time coming. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk. I am Lisa. For any, I'm sure people know about it, but just for anybody who may not, uh, tell us tell us about I am Lisa. Well, you know, it's 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 a kind of a it's been a weird process. So I got approached by the writer of the film, Eric Winkler. God, I was working on a family film, which is funny because I never do family films, but I, <laughs> I got I got approached to do a family film, and I cast his son in a small role in that film, and he was pitching me on the the story of kind of a revenge werewolf movie. And I was like, that sounds kind of cool. I haven't really seen that before. And like a couple of years kind of went by and then he contacted me again. He's like, I'm actually going to make this movie. And I'm like, great, you know, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'm happy to help. And he had uh, raised some funds and uh, it was like maybe spring of 2019 that we kind of really just, you know, pulled the trigger on it. We shot in July of 2019, which was like, obviously the hottest months of the year you know <laughs> it was it was brutal um we shot into august and uh yeah it was it was a great experience we shot the whole thing in 14 days which i you know wow i've done 12 and 14 felt like a vacation compared to 12 but uh mm-hmm. it's still really tight and the issue with this movie is that it had a ton of locations and a lot of characters for something that had to be shot in 14 days a lot of people sure. will make a feature film in 14 days but they'll have like two specific locations so, you know, we had to be strategic because I had to find I had to find locations that were close to each other. Like the bookstore that she she works in was maybe up a block from the Screenland, which we shot the theater scene. And then her apartment was like one block away. And then the park where she kills the deputy in the movie was like five minutes from there. So it was like trying to find a way to strategically make the, the, the locations close so that we weren't so spread out. Um so that helped but yeah it was we shot the thing 14 days we did some scenes in smithville some in Kearney, uh most of it in north kc and um you know i spent the fall of 2019 editing the film and then we hit the pandemic in uh the spring of 2020 and i was kind of finishing things up i was getting the score done and the color work done um and this was a micro budget movie i mean this is probably my smallest budget i've ever worked with and uh, for a feature so we were really like it was it, we were kind of lucky in that regard because people were stuck in their houses and i was like hey you know can you do the color for this for this amount of money because work had kind of stopped and so we were kind of fortunate in that regard that people were willing to do work on the post-production um for a little less money mainly because everybody was locked in their houses um and then we did a uh we we premiered at the drive-in the boulevard drive-in in july of 2020 and we ended up having like 330 cars show up it was just like i wasn't sure i was even going to get in like the line was 
down the highway. And um, I, you know, I was like, oh, we can get there 15 minutes before we'll be fine. And then I was like, oh, crap. So um, it was great. It was a great night. The weather was perfect. And everybody, I think, was just really wanting to get out of the house. Sure. And see a movie at the drive-in. So we were very fortunate. And then we got into um, Fright Fest, which is a, a big film festival in the UK um, for our kind of our festival premiere. And then we got picked up for distribution almost immediately right after that. And um, we did like a digital cinema release in October of 2020 because theaters were still pretty closed at that point. And then um, we hit Redbox in January. So we've done, we did Redbox in January and it's still in the Redbox to rent. And then we did um, our initial streaming, like iTunes, uh, Amazon Prime, DVD release was in, uh, and Blu-ray release was in March. And now we're moving into the streaming part, which is Peacock. So, you know, we've been very fortunate, especially for a movie that's like, like I said, it was shot in 14 days and it's got a very, very low budget. Sure. They kind of be up there competing with things that are, which are bigger, which is, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Cause then people, when they see it, they're like, oh, I was expecting a $10 million movie. And this is oh, actually yeah. like below a hundred thousand, way below a hundred thousand dollars. So, um, you know, but in, in, in other words, I think it's done really well. And um, right now we're kind of developing a sequel with the distrib distributor right now and working out some of the, uh, we've got a script. I don't know if you've heard of the movie WNUF. Uh, Halloween special. It's on Shutter right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, the guy, the guy who wrote that, wrote the sequel. So we're um, moving forward with that script. So that's very cool. You're talking about um, such a low budget. So, like, what roles did you take on? I imagine, like, when you don't have, you know, a lot of money to pay people, you end up doing a lot more. So yeah, I know you were talking about editing and directing. So kind of talk right, about that. Right. I mean, I had my hand in the scheduling. Um, you know, I worked with uh, Tony Ontiveros, who's kind of a local film film uh, pro here in town. He lives in Lawrence, actually, but he's worked on so many productions. He and I put together the bud uh, the script or the uh, the schedule and um and obviously it was one of those things where it was like a house of cards if we moved one thing around everything was going to fall apart so we had one day in particular where it was going to be like 108 with the heat index and they're like you know <laughs> gary lezak was like if you don't need to be outside don't be outside and i was <laughs> like well we have no choice where we have to film this scene in the woods <laughs> um and so tony and i were like okay if we move this day to here but then we lose this location and then and then the camera isn't available if we have to do an extra day. And it was like, OK, we're just going to have to uh, power through. And so we just had to make sure that everybody had water on set and we were close to a house that we could stay in. So everybody stayed in the air conditioning. So, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, I had to multitask and I like editing my own films because it's one of those things where if I'm on set and I, I can tell which takes I think are the best ones and I can remember, you know, I don't overshoot. I don't do. 10, 15 takes, unless it's, of course, like a, a stunt or something simple. But like when it comes to, to performance, I try to get it in two or three takes because then I know it's easier for me to edit. I can say, OK, take three was where we nailed it and try to communicate that to another editor sometimes can be, you know, especially on a low budget film can add some issues. So I just kind of it, it's a shortcut for me to just edit the film myself. And I've done enough editing now where um it helps me as a director too, because on set I'm like, okay, this is what these are the angles that we need to make this work. Um, so, so yeah, no, and and again, like 
you you do you i was involved with the casting you have to multitask in every almost every department and again you're kind of like your own script supervisor when you're on set too because you're looking for continuity and you're trying to make sure there's no water bottles in the background that you're going to later see when you're editing um so yeah no I, i you know you just you can't help but have to do multiple roles but we were lucky that we had a pretty good sized crew for this and people were were excited to work on it and they did it for you know, a reduced rate, not their commercial rates, but um, they got to work on a film. And, and I think that's why people really get into this business. Sure. Um, well, let's see. I was going to ask you what some of the challenges were on such an independent feature, but you kind of <laughs> kind of answered. I mean, those. yeah, the, the weather was was a challenge, obviously trying to, um, you know, people's schedules. It's always like a, a Rubik's Cube. It's, you know, people are like, well, I can't be there this day. So schedule me on this day for my scene. And it just turns into, and you're trying to create this, you know. And then there's some days where you're like, okay, we aren't going to be able to get this specific shot here. So we're going to have to add that to a list later. Um, you know, there's a shot where um, a girl gets her face boiled. <laughs> I wanted to get a shot. I wanted to get a shot underneath where we see her face in the in the boiling water, and that was the last thing we ever shot for this movie because I had to do it months later because we had to actually build a fryer like a fake like with like plexiglass and then like shoot underneath it with the camera and stuff. Which obviously in the real restaurant we didn't have that. So those are the things you're like, okay, you have to always consistently make a list of things that you can't get while you're while you're there because of just whatever time or just the fact that you don't have access to something um so yeah it's a marathon not a sprint i would say even though it was 14 days you have to think in terms of like okay we're probably going to have to come back and shoot some you know all the aerials were done later um so yeah that does kind of and then you're always thinking okay if this movie shot in the summer i can't wait till november to shoot the aerials i got to get them done before the leaves change so i mean the things like that but yeah money and just people's schedules and the weather um, are always kind of the biggest sure. challenges. The, her- the fryer scene was pretty gnarly. So I'm glad that, that worked out. <laughs> that poor, uh, Sarah McGuire, poor, poor girl. I So like applying the makeup, you know, obviously takes a long time for the, and Jake Jackson did a wonderful job. And he actually just worked on, uh, he did Crock-Pot. He did that, you know, the short film Crock-Pot. And then he um, uh, worked on my feature I shot in June. And the guy is just fantastic. And, you know, he, he wants to do a great job. And, and so applying the makeup takes a little while, but then taking it off took hours. Oh, wow. So she sat there long after we had wrapped for the day. And she's sitting there in the chair and he's slowly peeling off this stuff and wiping off her face. And I'm like, this is the part where Sarah says, I'm never working with you again. And uh, luckily she had. So we're, we're in good shape. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, the, the lead actress, uh, Chris, is it Vag- Vaganos? I don't want to pronounce yeah. it. Okay. I pronounced it wrong the whole time we were shooting. I think sure. it's Vaganos, but I call her Vaganos. <laughs> I well, she, yeah. was, she was great, and she's not a local actress. Is she? I was curious where you or how you found her. Yeah, that was another weird story, because we reached out to her early, early on, way before, because originally the script um, had all male villains, and I wasn't excited about it and so she had read the the version early on with all the male with all male villains and passed on it and then as during the process of casting and reworking the script i with eric i said look eric i think this movie is going to actually be a little bit more uh interesting to people if the villains are mostly women and so we cast um you know 
Manon Halliburton is the sheriff and, and Carmen Anello is the daughter. And so it was like, okay. So she started to kind of, um, she was more convinced to do the film at that point. So we ended up casting, she was the last person cast. Um, I think it was like May or June by the time we cast her. And um, she flew out from LA every, and we had to do a couple pickups with her. She's just, she's, you know, comes out all the time and, and visits us. So she's just great. I just loved working with her. And she's done a lot of Hallmark movies too. So she was like, I want to do something kind of a little bit more scary. So. <laughs> sure. Well, she was, she was great. And I think that's a really interesting choice to, to make the villains women. Cause it's a lot more conflict. Their yeah. characters are a lot more conflicting and that's, that's good. Yeah. I mean, we've I, seen, we've seen movies with, with the male villains in this kind of scenario all the time. And it's just tire It's, it's tiresome. So I was like, let's do something a little different. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I also enjoy the fact that, you know, you put a lot of, you know, strong female characters in there you really, you know, got that perspective. So, um, that was that was uh, it was not written that way right you said eric kind of Original, originally no but as we were doing the table reads and i just kept imagining different actors play or you know playing these roles and i'm like you know you can switch the gender of these characters and it would instantly make mm -hmm. it way more interesting to people and right. I, it actually has gotten a little bit more uh mileage out of the movie for that reason i think if we had literally left them men this movie wouldn't have gotten as far as it did so so I know, you know, Eric kind of said in some interviews um, that there were, you know, different inspirations behind um, behind this film. Like, what movies um, do you know that he was like, you know, thinking about when he was writing this? And I mean, what, were, what was your inspiration too when you kind of got involved? Well, he and I are both in our forties, so we're kind of like kind of have the same movies that we look at um, as inspiration, and I. Funny enough, I was looking at RoboCop because it's a revenge movie and it's got the, the villains are interesting. And um, I mean, people don't ever really say that RoboCop is a revenge movie. They always kind of say, oh, it's a sci-fi action movie. I'm like, it's a revenge movie. Um, and then Darkman, which is kind of one that nobody really talks about, but I, I love that movie. Love, love Darkman. Um, yeah. And so obviously we were doing this on a, we were doing this on the budget of, of what I would call their their parking budget <laughs> it was the budget they used to pay for their green m&ms i think um so yeah we were you know I, I was trying to really um milk it for all it was worth um make it look like it wasn't shot for next to nothing i'm trying to think of other movies that he would consider inspiration i know he had listed a few i mean for me I think was, alien was in there and yeah i mean and one of the things that you know because of our budget i was trying to express that we couldn't do like a giant werewolf monster which i think we got you know there was it was funny because we got kudos for that and then we got you know raked over the coals for that too because i was like look here's the deal because our budget and our in our time constraints, we aren't going to be able to do like this big monster werewolf at the end that she turns into. Plus, I think you lose a little bit of the character's humanity doing that. And I think that's kind of what she's trying to retain is some humanity. So I felt like it wasn't it wasn't the right choice to go that route. And so, <laughs> you know, it was one of those things where we're like, let's keep her looking semi like her herself. Otherwise, we lose the actress in the makeup. And I, I also think that we would have gone way too far into camp at that part. You know, we're already straddling the line with this movie. It's kind of campy anyway. I was just like, well, we'll go too far. If all of a sudden she's all hairy and it's just, it would just have gone too far. So um, I kind of like the movies that, you know, I, I was like, look at some of these more low budget horror movies that kind of 
uh, are a little bit more restrained. I even used Wolf as an example, Jack Nicholson's Wolf, um, because in that movie you're like you're he, he turns into a werewolf, but it's you can still tell it's Jack Nicholson, and it's mostly teeth, eyes, and a little bit of fur on his face. So you still see the performance rather than him turning into the American Werewolf in London, which you know. I would love that movie. And if we had had the money to build a giant <laughs> werewolf monster, that would have been cool, but we just didn't. <laughs> sure. Well, I think the makeup you did use turned out really well. Um, so now that it's on Peacock, I mean, have you had any kind of any, I know it's only been a few days since it's been on there, but um, have you ha- heard any extra response from it? I mean, is it cool just to have more I, people discover it? Yeah, I think it's just cool to um, just to have it on a, a streaming service that is that's mainstream enough that people will be able to, to see it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that we'll probably start hearing some more comments. I had a couple people who've watched it on Amazon Prime uh, this last weekend because they didn't have Peacock. Because it's free on Amazon Prime as well if you have a subscription. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, I mean, more eyes on it, the better. And, you know, we're trying to do a second one. I've got this other film I shot in June that's completely different. Um, it's a more of a supernatural like ghost story slash drama slash thriller. It's a little harder to just kind of say exactly what it is, but it's, um, again, we shot, we shot the whole thing in 12 days. Um, most of it was shot on a farm in Topeka. And so I'm editing that film right now and it's called they wait in the dark. I, um, we released the poster image last week on, on social media and, uh, Right now, the whole movie's assembled, and I'm just getting notes from some of the producers on some things that need to be tweaked editing-wise, and then it's going to move on to uh, sound design and score and color and all that stuff, and I'm hoping and praying we'll have it done by around Christmas time. So, cool. That's awesome. So, so what- Patrick, go ahead. sorry, go ahead. No, you go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, you know, you, you, you found a lot of, it seems like you found a lot of success doing this and, you know, you're consistently making films here in Kansas city. So what kind of, um, how'd you kind of get your start, you know, doing this? Well, um, you know, I went to KU film school at KU. My, um, I was early two thousands. So I had Kevin Wilma as a, as a, as a uh, instructor and I worked on his film CSA, um, in the early two thousands. So I had a lot of good inspiration from, you know, my, my professors. And, um, I guess I decided not to move to Los Angeles. I, it's funny. I actually applied to grad school at USC and I didn't get in because somehow my, my transcripts from my community college didn't get sent to them. And it was a weird, I took it as a sign to not move. Mm -hmm. Um, so I ended up working at channel six in Lawrence for eight years, seven or eight years. Um, and it's where I met my wife. Actually, she was a production assistant there. And, um, and I just kept making films and uh, short films mainly and getting them into film festivals and such. And then I made a film called Nailbiter in um, 2010. We, we shot the movie and that was a that was a different process because we shot started shooting the movie in 2010. And then we ended up having to take a break for a year because we ran out of money and we had to raise money to shoot the second parts of the movie. And, and it, so it took a couple of years to shoot. And then um, Lionsgate put it out in the red box in 2013. And then um, I made a film after that called, uh, well, when we shot it, it was called Enclosure. And I co-wrote, oh, yeah. co-wrote, I co-wrote the movie with Michelle Davidson, who um, used to be a host on uh, KC Live on KSHB. And um, through a series of, of events, we ended up shooting the movie in Charleston, South Carolina. 
again, a 12 day schedule. And that was my first 12 day schedule. So that was the most brutal, <laughs> because, you know, um, we shot, you know, in the woods in South Carolina. And then we shot on a soundstage for, for, um, half the schedule was on a soundstage. And, um, the movie stars Fiona Dorif, who is, um, uh, Brad Dorif's daughter. She's, I think she's back in the new Chucky series. that's coming out, um, in a couple of weeks. And then, um, Jake Busey was the villain in the movie. And that was an interesting experience. And we ended up, you know, the movie got, uh, it's on Paramount Plus now, but they were, but the distributor changed the title, and it was in, it was 2017, and and the distributor is like, we need an A title, enclosure. That's too far down in the alphabet, and everything <laughs> at that point was um, on VOD and on streaming services. Everything was alphabetized at the time. That has completely changed now. It's an algorithm, and it's kind of based on popularity now or whatever. I'm not really sure how it works, but. So they changed the title to Arbor Demon, which was like, you know, Tree Demon or whatever. And I'm like, well, that gives away the movie a little bit. And it's also a terrible title. I came from Nebraska, <laughs> which is home of Arbor Day. So that's all I could think about. I was just like, oh. <laughs> but the movie's gotten, uh, you know, a lot of play. It's like I said, it's on Paramount Plus. It's on Epics. Um, I'm proud of the film, despite the title change. Um, I was kind of like, well, that's the only thing they changed is the title. They didn't change anything else in the movie. So... <laughs> I guess that's, yeah, I, you know, I, I had to look at the positive side of things. So, um, and then after that, I did the family film, uh, belong to us. That was a huge departure for me. Um, and I, I had a, a very luxurious 16 day shoot that for that. <laughs> and yeah, and in between, I worked on a TV show called the inspectors. It was like CSI for kids basically. Sure. And Michelle Davidson and I co-wrote seven episodes for season three and four, I think. And then um, I directed a couple episodes for season three, again, in Charleston, South Carolina. And that was just by coincidence that I ended up back in Charleston. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of kept me going. You know, I, I I have a family here in town. Like I, my, my wife and kids don't, we don't plan on leaving Kansas City. We like it here. It's affordable. I like working with the people here. I also think that Kansas City has its own interesting look and voice and that's why i like to stay here and, and try to um you know have stories set in kansas and missouri that i think are interesting and uh so yeah i i don't plan on i don't have any plans on moving at, at this point um <laughs> so i plan on sticking around just keep making films here and uh yeah that's cool well you mentioned the feature that you uh that you just finished but what else do you have going on now what else do you have coming up um, you know, the short idea with Ty Jones is, is like this nonstop film festival run. I've never had a short film have this many uh, acceptances. It's so everywhere. Got, it's at Scream Fest next week, which is like one of the biggest in the country. And, um, then it's playing at the Nightmares Film Festival in, uh, Columbus, Ohio on the 22nd week, uh, weekend of 21st, I guess. And, um, and then he and I are producing, he's directing, I'm producing a new short film for him right now that we're hoping to shoot in a couple of weeks. And then um, I have a short film called Distance that I shot in January that's finally getting completed. That's um, also playing at Nightmares Film Festival in October, uh, October 22nd. I keep forgetting that we're already in October. It's, <laughs> it's so weird. Like the last year and a half, it's been so slow yet so fast. I can't yeah. explain it. It's a weird... Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So... Um, so I've got those going on. And then I uh, actually directed a comedy short in April that's getting finished up called Kidnap, 
but it's two different. It's kid nap because it's about a baby that's taking a nap, and it, it's <laughs> hard to explain. But uh, yeah, and um, so I did that in April, and that's getting finished up right now. And then um, we're hoping to shoot "I Am Lisa the Second or whatever you want. I don't. We don't have a title for it yet. Um, hoping to shoot that. Uh, at the end of the year, if all everything falls into place, but it, it cause it's set at Christmas, the writer, uh, Jimmy George actually set the film during Christmas, um, just to give it a different look from the first movie so that there's some more wintry look instead of summer. And, um, so we're, I'm hoping that we can shoot before the, the lights get turned off in the plaza. Cause I wanted to utilize some of that um, in the background and stuff. But uh, this all depends on money, you know, it all depends on <laughs> money coming through. That's one of the things that I think is the most challenging. And I tell filmmakers this all the time is raising funds. You know, you have to, you know, find investors who uh, believe in you and uh, believe in the potential of the film and, and such. And every project is different. Money comes in in different ways. I mean, it could be an inheritance. It could be somebody who's just like, you know what? I'm bored with my day job and I just want to put money into a film project. Um, just to create something that's, you know, just to have some creativity in my in their lives. So, um, yeah, so it's always a hustle. I'm, I'm constantly, and I have a shoot, I have a shoot, obviously, for the Auschwitz exhibit um, coming up Sunday, Monday, Tuesday of, of this next week, which is um, Bank of America is sponsoring that shoot. And so that's going to be like a 35-minute kind of a walkthrough of the exhibit at the Auschwitz exhibit. Uh, or at Union Station. So I'm working on non-narrative projects at the same time as I'm working on, on narrative projects. So, so it's, you know, it's busy and I, I try to stay busy because then it just dies off around, around the holidays. And you're like, if you're a freelancer, you're like, you almost dread the holidays because it's like, there's no work, you know, and, and it gets cold and nobody wants to film outside. And it's like, okay, well, you know, it's also a good time to do, a short film because people are willing to work, you know, for smaller rates around that time just to keep, keep working and such, but uh, nobody wants to go outside. So, um, but yeah, so I try to keep as busy as possible. And obviously I have two kids that, that keeps me very, very busy. Um, I have a Willow, my youngest, she'll turn four November 2nd. And then Violet is my oldest and she'll turn nine December 17th. So, Yeah. And that's, it's been interesting, obviously with the pandemic and, and, um, you know, Violet and I did an entire semester at home because we didn't want to send her. Uh, so we did virtual school for a semester last year. And that was, that was interesting. I, I almost want to write a horror movie just about that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. I'd watch it. Yeah. It I mean, you real. Know, there's so much potential for, for a parent to go crazy at, at that point. But, um, so it's been a very interesting, it's been, it's interesting because it's been like a very good year and a half in terms of filmmaking and, and career stuff. But yeah, the world is just nuts right now. So you try to hold on to those positive things during this time. So sure. That's great. Well, Patrick, this has been great. Thanks so much for, for coming on. Uh, I hope more people watch. I am Lisa. We'll keep an eye out for, your next stuff. Um, hope for more good with Crockpot. Like there's a lot going on. So thanks a lot for coming it's not, on. It's nonstop. It's nonstop. Every day, Ty Jones sends me an email that with, with a film festival acceptance. And I'm, and, and so I'm like, my goodness, it's hard to keep track of all these. 
Sure. <laughs> that's great. And it, that's great. That's I'm, awesome. a little, I'm a little biased because I helped, uh, I helped very early yes, on. Yes, of course. I know. That's the thing. That's the thing. You know, you had a hand in it. So, yeah. And by the way, not to, not to give a spoiler away for this movie, but I have the severed head currently in my house. Do you really? <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. That's, yes, I do. That's very cool. Yeah, the uh, the makeup and stuff on that is is crazy for for what it is. That's awesome. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, Patrick, thanks. Congratulations so much. on all your success. Thank you. Thank you for having me.